Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Today, I've got the pleasure of having Jeremy Pope, who could be the Pope of Sales, on the program today. Jeremy, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Jeremy, one of the things you said before we went on air is that you know half of your job, maybe more of it, is therapy. Because what stops people from executing at a higher level is usually uh, right here in their mindset. It is um, sales therapy, is what I call it. I'm not a therapist, but uh, I've but you play done one on TV. Of, right, right. <laughs> I've done an awful lot of fixing broken offers and uh, fixing funnels and fixing sales calls and. Uh, that's kind of what I do with sales call overhaul. We break down problem spots in sales calls and then we, uh, fix them. And on the podcast, we fix them on the air by reenacting that sales call. Ah, I love it. Cause you know, there's nothing quite as powerful as working with something real rather than something theoretical. Yeah. So tell me about yeah. the offer. Cause oftentimes, you know, people, I'm just writing a sales letter right now and I'm having to continually go back and recraft it because we know what we're selling, but oftentimes you don't know what other people are buying. And there's a disconnect between what we think and who's way more important than us, our customers, what they think. So give me an example of uh, maybe someone you helped, what offer they had and what you got them to, how you got them to clarify that message. Mm, Okay. Well, there are a few different things. There are a few different places where you need to clarify the message. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's talk about a recruiter. So I, I work with recruiters fairly regularly, and they've got two sales to make. One is to the candidate, and one is to the client who's paying for that candidate. Yes. So they've got to keep two avatars in mind, and that's that's always fun. But with them, they need to... Uh, let's talk about the client side of that. Uh, mm-hmm with their funnels to, to get a client, a lot of times they're very outreach based. So their initial messaging needs to be on point. Their tipping point needs to be as early in their funnel as possible so that it goes from an outreach funnel into a, Oh, they're interested. Now they're coming to me kind of process. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it takes a long time to get to that point in a funnel. It depends on what kind of funnel it is, but, um, you, you want to push that as soon as you can reasonably and still not kill your numbers. Uh, and so all of that's about messaging and timing. And then uh, you need your application process. You need your, your qualification process to frame mm-hmm. things very well so that when you get into that discovery call or a series of discovery calls, even for enterprise type sales, sometimes, uh, then you're having the right conversation. So if you're not having the right conversation with people, then you're not going to make any sales. You can't turn a non-prospect into a prospect just by wanting them to be. You have to make sure that you've qualified the right people. 
Absolutely. So how do you go from that uh, total stranger to building up enough trust to go into a discovery call? Hmm. Well, there are a lot of people that talk about the no like trust factors. Mm-hmm. And I don't really like those. Uh, I prefer to talk about reach, relevance, and resonance. And they kind of handle the, the no like trust stuff for you when you get those right. But reach is making sure that you're talking to the right people. You have the right people in front of you in the first place. You, you have access. It's, it's all about access to the right audience. Right. And, and knowing that you have access, you, you kind of need to know that, that you're talking to those right people. And then the relevance is, are you solving a problem that they need solved? It goes beyond just the right people that you know can buy your stuff. But are you obviously solving a problem? Do they know that you're solving a problem that's relevant to them? Right. And then resonance, are you solving it in a way that resonates with them? Now, a lot of, a lot of times, I mean, no like trust never hurts. It never hurts. Yes. Because that's... a a part of a foundation for a relationship, but it's not everything. I think that the reach relevance and resonance is a lot more important for making sure that your marketing gets you into the right conversation in the first place. Okay. So let's break that down a little bit. No like trust. So the no and the like lead to trust. Sometimes, maybe. I mean, Sometimes, I, my, maybe. My but if, if you... My contention is that that does not happen a lot of times. Knowing so someone go- liking somebody, there's a lot of ways of trusting and trusting their intentions. Okay, that's fine. I mean, mm-hmm. I can trust someone's intentions without trusting their judgment or their skill set or their discretion at all. And it's a lot harder right. to trust someone's judgment than it is to trust that they're just, you know, they mean well by me. And so I'm, I'm not a big fan of the no like trust for that kind of reason. I, I just don't think it covers nearly enough ground. Going back to that. So no and like leads to trust and a certain amount of trust. And it depends on the context, but reach relevance and resonance basically build up the trust that we want because you're actually connecting with people, yeah. what they want, what their problems are, you're solving it. So we're still going for the same factor at the end, but you just do it more strategically and uh, more purposefully because ultimately it's about the person you're talking to and not the fake of, Hey, you're going to know me. You're going to like me and we'll get a little bit of trust. This is more like by having the three that you're saying, you actually go into a much deeper conversation. I believe so. Yeah. It's, it's very much more them focused and people like it when you focus on them, they trust you when you focus on them they don't care to know you when you're focused on them. They know themselves. They know their problem that they're trying to solve. You can get to know each other later plenty of times. But um, yeah, I, I think that accurately sums it up. Thank you. And I think just very much so connecting with people in that way uh, kind of reminds me of a saying that I had heard once. It was like, uh, do you know why God invented fleas? To give dogs something to do. And <laughs> I think what this reach relevance and resonance does is it gives salespeople something to do. So rather than flailing around on, oh, you and I went to the same college or some other kind of desperation, this is more like reach. How do I know I'm reaching the right people in the right way? It gives them something to do and it gives them some uh, 
some thought behind the call they're about to make, a relevance. You know, I need to know what your problem is. I need to know that I'm solving it. And I need to know that it's important to you because you probably have a lot of problems, uh, Jeremy, that you don't care about, but some that you're deeply passionate about. And then of course that resonance. So I think it's, it's a brilliant technique that you've got that lets mere mortals become uh, master salespeople. Well, strong words, but thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so we've got a conversation with someone. We're talking about these things. And where do we go next? Well, in our sales call overhaul process, we talk about a, a few. It, we actually grade a discovery call on nine different axes internally. Wow. Interesting. And, um, some of those are simple. Like we, we have one called misfires. And that's just... Are you talking over people? Are you having a technology issue that's causing you to interrupt each other or some kind of lag? And we experience this all the time with Zoom and podcasting and the remote workspace. But uh, if, you're, if you're out of sync with your prospective client uh, mm -hmm. and they are not accustomed to it, or if it's just so bad, hey, if you have these problems five times in a row, deal with your technology and move on. This is... That's not an acceptable thing to be letting letting it get in the way of your sales. If you're if you miss a sale every other week because of bad technology, eh, spend another fifty dollars a month and get the right technology for you, or upgrade your internet connection or whatever. Um, Stop right there, just for a second, yeah, Jeremy, sure. uh, because what you're saying is common sense. But you and I both know there's lots of salespeople out there and other people in just you know the general world. There'll be a problem that's solvable, but for whatever reason, they won't solve it. Why do you think people get to that place of, oh, it's it's the connection, it's my mm -hmm. message, that's more important, and we convince ourselves not to take those small actions that get in the way of us uh, connecting in a deeper way and actually getting people over the finish line? I, I think that the reason a lot of people don't pay attention to these things is that they're accustomed to accepting the world around them mm -hmm. and just, oh, well, that's how it is. That's how Zoom is, or that's how my phone system is. And that's not okay. You, you just have to be willing to say, uh, no, any problem is fixable, and I'm going to take the responsibility for fixing that. But it, it's almost like our brains just gloss over it on a subconscious level. And so just bringing that back up to people's attention, yes, it's absolutely common sense. And yet... Uh, it's almost like people forget to think about it, but it can be a big factor in missing sales. I mean, that can, goodness, if your internet is unreliable, for instance, that can kill your sales for the day because of the stress that it puts you under. So yeah, that's, and that's why that's the first thing that we it Subtly. Absolutely. So we were talking about avatars earlier mm -hmm. on, like, but I think it's a really useful tool mm -hmm. uh, from the place I come from is if you're a one person show, Oftentimes, you're seeing the world in one particular place. So my wife, uh, she was very detail-focused. And when I went to do Umar things, she would go, no, this needs to be better. That needs to be better. You can't do this to people. So mm. if you don't have a spouse that's mm -hmm. doing that for you or a manager, what you need to do is figure out who is that one person out there that would operate at a higher level. Even if you don't know them, people have a good sense of how Steve Jobs would see it. All you need to do is what would Elon Musk do? Or maybe you had a coach in high school. 
how would Coach Jones see this? He'd say, get off your ass and fix that thing. And sometimes just being able to kind of see what you're doing through whoever your mentor's eyes are is a simple tool to kind of correct the things that need correcting. I like that technique. Um, Todd Herman talks about that in his alter ego book. Just oh, interesting. Uh, put on an alter ego and who can answer this kind of question? Who can, uh, who can do things the way you want to do things there? Uh, and I like that. Um, when I'm saying client avatar, typically what oh. I mean, Oh, it was totally different. I got what you meant. I was just uh, using that general idea. I was actually coaching this uh, one gentleman that works for this company is like, so tell me what you do. And he was like, well, what we do is boring, 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 boring. I said, uh, okay, just for a second, put on the mask of your CEO, who I happen to know was very charismatic and a great communicator. He goes, uh, okay. I said, put on his mask. Now tell me what you do. We are, da, 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 da. and it was this magic came out of his mouth. And it was just by mm, the illusion yeah. of putting on a mask of the CEO. So we know the answers in here, but sometimes we let mm. how we think about ourselves dictate how we show up and we don't need to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a big part of what we like to deal with as well is the mindset behind the problems. Uh, a lot of times we'll see technical problems on a sales call. Oh, don't say that. Say this instead. Um, Oh, don't frame things this way, frame it that way instead. But then the second call rolls around in the package and they do it again on the second call. Mm -hmm. And so th that means, oh, there's some fear in the way of, yes. uh, of saying mm -hmm. the right things. Uh, or there's some, there's some resignation like, ah, uh, this isn't going to work out anyway. Or some kind of a money thermostat issue where people are just, they've kind of given up before they even started so that they don't, so that they don't have to be afraid about it later on. So most of the time it comes down to a fear. And so we have to address that really specifically and really uh, thoroughly to make sure. But I find that most of the time people are missing a couple of things in, in their sales calls. They're missing um, a really good agenda with upfront contracts and being able to set the stage safely for the prospect. So when you have good upfront contracts with the prospect, that often refers to locking or trying to lock in a prospect to making a decision at the end of the call. Eh, yes. Maybe, maybe that's appropriate. Maybe it's not. It really depends. But most of the time, it should be about making the prospect feel safe to be honest with you. Yes. And once they're safe being honest with you, then you can both relax and let the tension grow the way it ought to instead of pressure. Pressure and tension are very, very different things. As anyone who has ever been in a romantic situation understands viscerally. Pressure is not the same thing as tension. <laughs> you need tension. You should not ever have pressure. And so that that's one of the big things that I find is fear-based, um, unless it's just a bad habit, is pressure versus tension. So we eliminate the pressure and let everything rest on tension. One of the things I find is uh, there's three places where people get stuck. One is a limiting belief somewhere in their unconscious. 
Because if they yeah. knew what the belief was that's getting in the way, most people go, oh, that's dumb. That maybe made sense when I was four. It doesn't make sense now. But a lot of that stuff's right. hidden. The second mm-hmm. way is something called inner conflict, where one part of them knows that I'm going to do exactly what Jeremy said. This is the right way. and But there's another part of their psyche that basically goes, oh, it's wrong to talk about money or you're not good enough. And one of the ways to uncover that is when they're talking about what they want to do. It's like, Jeremy, I know I'm going to do this. This week's going to be different. Strong voice, strong gestures. Then this hand comes up. But you know, I don't want to be bothering people and the tone of their voice changes and the second hand comes up and it's got weaker gestures. As soon as you see that, you know, okay, two parts of the psyche are at war, getting in the way. And then the third place is something I call hot wiring, where if I was on stage, I would, this part of the presentation, go find some young female in the audience and go and say, hi, my name's Umar. I put out my hand to shake her hand and she would shake my hand uh, unconsciously. She's shaken hands a million times before, but her reptile brain is looking for, is this safe to shake that person's hand? So there's a bunch of processing going on in the background. And the same thing happens in sales sometimes Mm -hmm. where they get this inner process that comes up that sabotages their efforts. So they go back to the default old way of doing things and not the new way. So once you get people over the fear, how do you, how do you get them over the fear? Oh, it depends. Um, I do not prescribe a technique. It, only rarely, only rarely, only rarely. <laughs> and that's it's unusual in these in these days of Zoom. Yeah, uh, but typically we're looking at a lot of different techniques. I mean, the NLP toolbox and mm-hmm. various other. We've got several mindset coaches in the program. Nice, and so they use whatever technique they want. I do not limit them because I found that you know the saying "people is policy." You get really good people in and you let them do their thing and they do, they do, they, they can, it's safe to, it's safe to have initiative in that kind of program. And so they've got backup. If they need backup with someone, then I can hop in and help out. Or one of the other coaches can hop in and help out as well. But most of the time, I don't even need to get into that stuff. I mean, we'll, we'll use all kinds of techniques for resolving things though, from processes that look vaguely similar to the core transformation type stuff from Connie Randreas to mm-hmm. anything from the NLP toolbox. Uh, Tony Robbins loves the circle of excellence kind of stuff. And yes. um, all, that and the alter ego kind of thing is fun as an instant hijack for um, helping someone just understand there are more possibilities than what they've been using. But uh, the visual squash technique is one of my personal favorites because of exactly the kind of thing that you talked about with the, on the one hand, on the other hand, we just take that so literally with the visual squash and we say, okay, let's resolve it. Let's put those hands literally together. Oh, yeah. And it's just beautiful together. to see all the What's weird gonna- faces people make while you do that stuff too. What's kind of interesting, at least from my point of view, is that you can have two people come in with the exact same problem. They can articulate it the same way. And this technique is going to work really well with person A and another technique is going to work with person B. And it's just goes back to that cold call you talked about. It's our ability to connect with the other human being where you just kind of pick up the vibe. It's like, oh, for Jeremy, it's going to be this. And for Jane, it's going to be that. And so there isn't one solution for everybody. And that's what I like about what you're doing is you've got different coaches, different techniques, just go play, go figure out what's going to work best. Right, right. 
we make sure that someone can handle the technical side of the sales. Mm-hmm. Um, once they can handle the technical side, then that buys them time to deal with other mindset stuff. And our, our mindset coaches are welcome to keep on working with our clients uh, afterwards. That's totally fine. But during the program, we're, we're making sure that they can hit the nine points and do really well in a sales call. And I mean, that buys them time, it buys them money so that they can afford to do whatever they need to do later on. But that just giving them the option, giving them that springboard right off the bat, that's just so powerful. And where most people are falling down is either in framing, uh, framing the call well, Mm-hmm. They're either a lot of a lot of newer people in the high ticket sales world that I've kind of come from over the past few years. It's not really all that high ticket for enterprise sales, for instance. This is pretty low ticket yes. stuff. But most of the time, when it's micro B two B or um, micro business to small consumers or coaching programs. We're talking about you know three thousand to twenty five thousand dollars, things like that. So, in in that world, there's a lot of people who come in and they they learn a script and they learn uh, a particular method that everybody seems to use, and who knows where it comes from? Maybe it's a, a click funnels type thing, uh, but it's sort of a it's very easy to inject arrogance into that situation, into that frame and trying to over authorize yourself instead of being a relaxed peer. And you can come in and frame it weekly and you can come in and frame it over strongly and making sure that you've got a, that you've got a good frame, a, a frame with integrity is very important. And that's probably the trickiest thing psychology-wise in, in these calls. But then once... Tricky how so? It requires more learning than some of the other things. More learning. And it it's not particularly hard emotionally for the salesperson to do. It just requires a little bit more mm-hmm. subtlety than some other things. So I, I guess... It requires more subtlety is what I mean by, by tricky. And then the, the other place where they typically are going awry is by not getting to the emotional, not, not really getting any emotional oomph into that call. I guess there's one other place. This is turning into a Monty Python Spanish Inquisition sketch, isn't it? Four, four main rules <laughs> of the Spanish Inquisition. Uh, but what have the Romans ever done for us? <laughs> exactly. So, aside from a, a poor frame and lack of emotional horsepower, getting weird about the clothes, getting weird about the clothes, asking for the sale. Um, it's so important to be explicit about this is the sale. This is the decision to be made. What do you want to do? And it doesn't have to be complex. That should be very simple, way simpler than most people make it. But I find a lot of people are coming into these calls with this adversarial or this hiding kind of mentality. And so they hide from the big topics. They hide from the elephants in the room. 
they refuse to raise their own objections and they wait trembling for a prospect to raise an objection. And then they've got their scripts for rebutting those objections and, and things like this. And, oh, I hope it works. What do you mean you hope it works? Come on. that's Why don't you just talk about it first? If it's something you're concerned about, talk about it before the prospect does. And you'll relax yourself tremendously. And then you'll take off the pressure and you'll let tension pull you both along through that call. And it's it's so much nicer that way. I can give you an example in a minute after this question, if you want. Sure. I'll give you one first, then we'll get your uh, example. Uh, I'm going to go back to Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Mm-hmm. It's like when it first came up, if he had said, yep, I had sex with her, I mm-hmm. feel really bad about it, would have been done right up front rather than denial, denial, denial. You know, it's going to come out at some point and it just creates this big, hairy, scary thing where if you just talk about the issue that's there, no one dies. When yeah, you don't talk he about it, you're going to die at the end. Mm-hmm. He, he would have been embarrassed, but he wouldn't have been impeached. Yeah, yeah. And not that he had any less embarrassment being on the stand and going through like months and months right. of this. And uh, so we can all learn lessons from that. But you had an example too, you were about to share. Well, w- one of the things inside a sales call, when, when you're having a serious call, like the decision call, or yes. a strategy call, a discovery call, th- things like that, then there are so many times when a, a nervous salesperson can relax themselves by just co-opting their prospect. And it's so easy to do. For instance, if I have something that I'm worried about, say it's how long it takes me to deliver or my price. A lot of people get hung up on price. Let's talk about that one. So if I were concerned about price and I know I'm going to have a little trouble in the close later on. Oh, excuse me. I've got a delivery apparently. Um, so if I've got a, um, if got a, if I've got an issue that I know about, then I need to bring that up and I'll just say, do you mind if we talk about money first? I am not the world's smoothest salesperson and I'm getting all weird about it. Can we just talk about that so I can relax later on? And they'll always say yes. So let's pause there just for a second. And what you suggested, of course, is brilliant. I I do need to pause. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Jeremy, that's brilliant. Talking about, you know, what you're nervous about up front does a lot of people see that as a sign of weakness, but it really isn't. It's just basically saying, hey, this is what's going on for me. And it makes you human and people want to save people. People want to help people. I was at this uh, wedding uh, before COVID hit, and the priest that was about to do the ceremony said, you know, Father so-and-so was supposed to do this, but he could make it, so I, I'm doing it, and I just graduated from seminary school uh, two weeks ago, and this is my first wedding. And 300 people in the wedding, uh, in the church, applauded him, said, you know, hey, no worries. And he did a phenomenal job. He got the worry out of the way, and had he been worried about it, he would have screwed up three or four times, but because he got it out of the way... Just go on so and do a great job. That. So if that's your biggest problem, bring it up front. Makes perfect sense. Oh, wonderful. It was not a delivery. It was a pickup. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, what was the last thing that we got? Oldie but it. <laughs> I often think about since the dawn of time, I can imagine uh, the marketplace in Egypt 5,000 years ago and uh, some guy selling camels better than the other camel dealer. and. The third camel dealer is like, you know, hey, I got to figure out what that guy's doing. And 
hey, Ahmed, what are you doing? Uh, I mean, this these conversations had to have happened a long time ago. And he's like, hey, I get nervous about camel pricing. So I bring it up front. I don't think anything much has changed in the grant. Technology has changed, but the human condition has not. Right. They don't exist. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And that's that's one of the most powerful tools that, uh, like easy hijack kind of tools that I've been able to teach people. And it comes from Sandler sales. I mean, it's it's an old school kind of thing, almost as old as an LP. But it's um. So I do something so similar where I tell people what my superpower is, is the ability to create a safe place between me and Jeremy that lets Jeremy go on a journey. And then what are the tools are don't really make a difference. I could have the best tools in the world, but if I don't have that safety, that trust, they may work for a little while, they may not. But if I've got a massive amount of trust, I can say, hey, Jeremy, you know, let me tell you this fable. And it could be just a fable that's quite silly, could do the trick, and you'd be happy, I'd be happy, and it would change your life forever. So at the end of the day, we're human beings, we need to connect. Jeremy, thank you so much for being on the show. And let me tell you what I really, really appreciated about our conversation was this, is that you have no new ideas, except the most important idea, which is to value the person you're connecting with, of building those connections with them, bridges with them, and creating that connection. And certainly going back to the first thing you said about reach, relevance, resonance is all about honoring the person you're talking to and really connecting with them in that way. So thank you for reminding everyone that we need to realize as a human being on the other side, and what's the best way I can be of service to them. Yeah, that, that'll be my pleasure. I've got a, a list that I'm building right now that I'd be happy to share with you. And thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 